Being the Worst, Episode 20. Recorded Monday, December 17, 2012. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst, podcast. Audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsman. With your hosts, Kerry Street, and Renat Abdullin. In this episode Kerry and Renat, discuss approaches you can use to start the domain modeling process in various situations. This helps them determine the first step to take to start designing their new domain. And now, here are Kerry, and Renat. Hello everyone, Renat and I are back, and today we're going to get into some more of the modeling questions around the getting things done domain that we discussed last time. And Renat, I have three questions while I was doing my homework. Uh, I started doing my homework and started taking a lot of notes, and then it occurred to me that I had some questions for you, so I thought we could discuss those now. Yeah, sure, go ahead. So when we're trying to capture the domain and the words and, and everything in it, sort of like we did with the factory, and I understand what we did in the factory approach, but really in that case, you were sort of the domain guy making up the words as we went on the episode, and I was capturing them later. In the real world, I think at least a few things could happen. And I'm wondering when these things happen, how you personally would actually approach modeling these things and capturing the vocabulary. So that's kind of my perspective here, okay? Mm, sure. Okay, so... Earlier, you sent me uh, a picture of this getting things done workflow. It's a very summarized picture. It's a diagram uh, in the OmniFocus PDF on page four. So I guess in one case, you could be handed that picture. Your boss walks in and says, this is all we know. Start modeling some stuff, Renat. Thank you. You know, that's sort of a basic approach. Uh, one situation you could find yourself in. The other might be you actually have the opportunity to spend a whole day with a domain expert or maybe several hours. And you know, before you even go into that conversation that you're going to be speaking for quite some time and lots and lots of words and stories are going to be thrown your way. Uh, so in this case, we could act like the chapter two of the getting things done book of, by David Allen would be that approach where there's lots of words and much more than a diagram will be thrown at you that day. And then maybe the last one uh, we could talk about is if you are thinking of the domain or those books and that diagram doesn't exist and it's you sort of have an idea of what it is in your head and you're basically interviewing yourself i'm curious how you would literally approach those you know what tools would you use would you write it down in visual studio would you write it in microsoft word etc like how would you actually approach those things okay that's actually a really really good layout uh, of questioning the approach and okay this uh, episode definitely is going to be slightly out of the usual okay. uh, way of discussion that uh, we're planning for being the worst but it's going to be really fruitful so the first way well the first situation that you offered was when i'm sitting in my room uh, doing development and then some superior comes to me hence some diagram and asks to build a project mm -hmm. out of that without any additional information. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be similar as if somebody was coming to uh, my room, showing me the drawing of Leonardo da Vinci with his uh, flying machine and telling me, okay, go ahead and build it and make sure to fly it. <laughs> okay. So for somebody who is maybe familiar with the domain, the image would mean a lot. However, like this is just a really flat and narrow uh, representation of the domain. And this, like it's not concise. And uh, different people looking at the picture, looking at the diagram, will see different things. Simply because inbox, context, project, 
It would mean completely different things. And in this case, technically the situation is a dead end if we are playing by the rules. So if we are playing by the rules and we're trying to develop something, then it would be our own interpretation of what the heck we were asked about and maybe like to draw a, an application with some inbox projects context looking like usual to-do list. And chances are probably like 95 out of 100 that we'll get it completely wrong simply because that's not enough information. Good. So something when it's that limited, if you're going to try to use domain driven design, that's sort of like we're scrum, but you know, the people where you try to apply methodology, but you're not really applying the methodology. This is an indication that you need to push back and either accept the fact that you will not have the opportunity to model this properly. And you're just going to take your best guess because your circumstances do not allow you to use this technique properly or call that out and set up one of the other approaches we're going to talk about so that you can do this properly. Uh, yes, or we can cheat. Or we, we, can can actually, cheat. <laughs> we can actually figure out what is the first deliverable that is the most easy to achieve. And that would look like something real. And that we can change something uh, later. For instance, if a developer comes to us or a superior comes to us and asks to draw the diagram, we can get out some CRUD stuff like a Microsoft Light Switch or uh, some or a modeling tool to assemble quickly really CRUD, really dead stupid, completely inefficient, ugly-looking web UI, which uh, simply saves tasks into files in a few tables and allows you to categorize them. Mm-hmm. Technically, this can be used as getting things done too. Actually, technically, this thing would even uh, be fitting the diagram However, we're not trying to get the best possible representation and understanding of the diagram, uh, which will take us and waste a lot of uh, hours and time. But we're trying to get the worst possible, the quickest possible understanding of the diagram without getting lost too much in the darkness. And then when we roll this thing out, obviously people will start screaming. Obviously people uh, will start yelling and saying uh, they will start suffering. Like, what have you done this? (laughs) <laughs> Although technically we're done exactly the same what they asked for. <laughs> However, when they will start screaming at us, when they will start suffering, they'll start saying and speaking things that uh, they actually need. Mm, I see. And then while talking to them, okay, so like uh, you don't like what you see. Okay, let's talk. Let's sit down. What don't you like? What is this thing that, that you don't like? How is it called? What did you expect to happen? L- uh, let's write a short story. Because I'm, I want to help you. I understand that uh, we've done something horrible and I want to improve. And then st- step by step we can improve from a certain specific point. And this will be like we, we start by really low, we start really worst, and then we improve. As opposed to the scenario where somebody's uh, handing us the diagram and we try to get something extremely perfect according to our, our own mindset. And this thing would be a perfect, highly engineered, uh, like ivory tower design and completely off the way as well. However, it would take us a lot of time. And then we'll need to undo the entire thing or add some latches on top of that. And it will be more painful as opposed to the scenario where we're ending starting really low, dead simple, obviously hurting, but uh, serving as a trampoline for us. That makes sense. So it's really, you know, you need to push back to get a better way to capture this story. And if the first initial gut conversation with whoever's giving you the requirements 
isn't immediate understanding, oh, okay, no problem, let's sit down and start having those conversations, then rather than spending a lot of cycles trying to interpret a diagram, which will likely be wrong anyway, I like your suggestion. Your approach is, okay, give them something back and let them give a quick preview of what they're going to end up with if they're not going to spend the time doing it, and then use that sort of bad version as the way to start facilitating the conversations that are actually needed. Well, it's not necessarily going to be bad version. It's going to be something like low precision version with something to serve as a foundation for, for the discussion. And then improve uh, on from there. For instance, if, and that's actually applicable not only to using DDD, but uh, to common development practices. So, for instance, if we have a project that team or company wants to automate some service based on the belief that the service, uh, automation of the service would save an immense amount of man hours and that it will massively reduce the friction. And the effort to reduce this friction to automate the service can probably be estimated to be worth three developer weeks. Uh, let's say we're talking about automated FTP server, which is storing files and data back into the cloud directly. Basically, uh, FTP front end. Mm-hmm. And since it's located uh, linked to the cloud, then it essentially has limitless, uh, almost limitless uh, capacity. And if uh, the FTP server is stateless, then we can scale out the machines and ensure almost unlimited scalability and really high uh, SLAs. Mm-hmm. However, implementing the service, since probably there are no existing products or no existing open source projects that are designed to be stateless and designed to interact with the cloud, uh, this can uh, take us some time. And a company, business people, they really believe that this is something essential. And so one alternative for the development would be to actually say, okay, yes, we're going to do that. We're going to spend uh, three weeks of development time to implement this to our best understanding, and it will probably work. However, it's not guaranteed, it's not even guaranteed that uh, this service will be useful, that there will be demand for that. So uh, the lazy approach for that, it would be to have a simple, single, manually configured virtual machine somewhere in the cloud, which stores file on the blob server on the Windows Azure, for instance, as a mounted disk, and which is managed manually. And then to the production system, we add the button which says, request the system to provide your unlimited FTP folder. However, instead of invoking automation system, which is complicated and might be messy, uh, this button will simply send an email to the service team saying, okay, uh, the, cu- the customer XYZ requested an FTP folder, please set up. <laughs> and since setting up FTP thing uh, requires 10 minutes, probably for the first 50, 20 customers, it will be uh, really easy to support. Mm-hmm. And this feature, this functionality can be delivered within a day or two as opposed to three, uh, three development weeks. Mm-hmm. And by having this feature delivered now, First, we'll start uh, getting immediate response. We're not wasting three weeks of development time. Second, we're actually getting more robust, uh, more detailed usage stories of what users are doing. Yeah, we're teasing out the actual usage uh, from actually doing it. Uh, for the user perspective, uh, this will be the actual usage. Yes. They'll be inter- they have no idea like if they're interacting with the machine or with the human people. Mm-hmm. But human people can actually adapt. They can record they can maybe find some simpler usage patterns 
when they are just talking back and forth with users, they maybe can find some common questions. They can feel the frustration. And then when the process has been uh, repeated like 20, 30 times, then we'll already have some common scenario that repeats over and over again. And then this common scenario will be easy to capture because we've seen it so many times. We don't need to buy and guess. We don't need to optimize for the unknown future. We just need to uh, automate something that happened over and over again. And by delaying the decision to develop the machine, the system automatically, automatic system from the start, we're actually saving us free development weeks of effort that can be put to some better use. And if maybe like one month later, we actually figure out that FTP service wasn't even that important, okay, we haven't actually wasted that much time. Because all we've done, it's a simple uh, email button and manually configured FTP server. That's it. Mm -hmm. Really good example. Okay, so uh, that was a spin-off from the lazy and simple approach. Yeah, no, that was a great example that made a lot of sense to me. Practical, because I could actually see that something like that happening, you know, being faced with a situation like that. And that's a, a good good example of how to tackle to maybe solve the problem really quickly or begin solving the problem in a way that you understand it better so that those three weeks or whatever future time is spent uh, more effectively. So awesome. Then the other extreme of that. So in the first one, we had sort of very, very limited requirements and we sort of already knew that going in. And then the other is, wow, we have an amazingly cooperative customer or domain expert and we get a whole chunk of hours to go talk to them about what they want. Uh, so in this case, that would be sort of all the content in chapter one and two, maybe, of the Getting Things Done book. What would you do in that case when you know, at least going into it, that everyone's going to be trying to do it right? Well, uh, then if everybody is trying to do it right, and probably there is an opposite risk of being overwhelmed with a lot of details. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we can do, well, the purpose is to have concise, short, but descriptive detail of uh, description of the domain. We don't want this to be a document 100 pages long. Maybe we don't even want to, the document would be five pages long. Because when you have too much information, you don't have any information. Because information is equally important. And usually the core of the domain well, unless we're talking about some real specific domains. Usually the core of the domain, it can be explained maybe with a few paragraphs, which refer to the most important terms, to the most important processes, which bring the company the most value. And then uh, additional detail can be provided later. So the, the most important part for us is to first to capture the essence, to capture the entry point, to capture the most important words, and then uh, go into the detail later as needed. So if we have a lot of excited domain experts, they'll come rushing into us and they'll start overwhelming us with the details. Mm -hmm. And absolutely no idea what is the most important, what is the less important. Because when a person is excited, everything thinks, feels to be really important for him. <laughs> yeah. uh, good examples, I guess, it's uh, when I'm talking about look at RSDDD, event searching, blah, blah, blah. Everything feels exciting. So I'm just overwhelming uh, people with complex and unnecessary details. <laughs> One of the things, one of the possible solutions uh, to the situation is to actually to invite the main expert. I think this approach was mentioned first uh, by Gregory Young. Uh, so you invite uh, the main expert into the room and you time box him. You say, okay, we have 45 minutes or maybe 30 minutes. So you have 30 minutes to explain your domain. And after 30 minutes, you go out 
and we and our team will, will start modeling the code. We'll start capturing the things as we understand, and we'll try to do the best model capture of what you've said. Mm-hmm. And this would probably involve crafting, well, it will depend on the project, but maybe crafting up some quick uh, web UI, going into the DSL tool and start cranking words, vocabulary, start cranking aggregates, start writing specifications, all without worrying too much about the architecture and design. Why not worrying too much? Because for the next morning, we throw everything out. All we uh, keep in our heads is our understanding and also the questions that were raised. Because when you, uh, as you already experienced with tech, for example, when you're trying to implement the model, there are always some things that don't fit quite well. You start like getting into problems or into questions because the logic of aggregates, for instance, with uh, event sourcing when applied to capture complex business, business behaviors, it forces you to encounter and essentially hit the logical inconsistencies. And so on the next morning, you'll have the same domain expert and he'll have the same 30 minutes and then he'll face the confusion that was uh, caused by his first discussion. And he'll face the questions. And next time he'll try to maybe uh, reprioritize, focus on more important words, on more important concepts, and do the same thing again. And then the team would actually, like after 30 minutes, the domain expert would be kicked out and the team will try to capture it again. And after three, four iterations, this can end up in a coherent story. Something that a domain expert doesn't feel crazy about, something that te- a team starts understanding. And this first iteration, like this kind of draft, can be a foundation for the real uh, business model and it can be evolved from there. By using that time box approach, you're saving you- yourself and your team from sort of over-modeling useless stuff and you're saving the domain expert from spending countless hours that'll be wasted. It's just like you would almost approach development where... It's almost like you're, you're digging around trying to find the minimum viable stories almost. And by chunking it like that, you're eliminating some of the risk of just spinning your wheels, uh, overcomplicating things for many, many hours. That's, that's good. Yes. And you're forced to focus on the essence. And then after uh, we've got like our first core draft, the most important stuff, then uh, as we move forward, we can actually start diving into the details and uh, let them grow on our domain model as basically leaves grow on the tree. And then we'll go deeper, we'll go deeper. But this going deeper, it will not break too much the domain model. It will not break the software. First, because uh, we already captured the most important parts and they're fixed and the details usually don't capture break the most important parts. Second, because we're using the approaches that are evolution-friendly, uh, that allow us to capture complex things uh, with relatively simple specifications, with uh, this verbose user stories, with use cases. This simplifies the evolution and maintenance of the solution in the long term. So uh, from one perspective, like we avoided quite a lot of refactoring. On the other side, if we need to refactor, it will not be as horrible and painful for us as if we were using SQL database. Mm-hmm and data-first approach. I see. Good. Uh, any other comments on that? Or I was going to jump into the third one. Let's go on the third one. Okay. So the last one, which I'm sure many of us find ourselves in when we have a great idea in our head, and that would be 
when there is nobody else, when you right now are the only person, you have the idea, you're kind of the domain expert, and you're basically, you would be interviewing yourself, and you have a pretty good idea of what some of the domain is, but you're not sure what the other details are, and but you just want to start writing some, you, you want to start working on this project, where do you start? Go find Kerry Street. <laughs> Go find Kerry Street. And start talking with him. <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah, because our uh, usually we're we are the best domain experts, mm, only to a short, narrow set of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I can consider myself to be a domain expert uh, in making sandwiches, <laughs> or maybe I don't know, wasting time on reading useless stuff. Or <laughs> so, if I need to write a software that automates that like uh, writing bugs in the code, I actually don't need to uh, go to find somebody and in order to help me to capture the domain model because that's part of my nature. I know this by heart. So if you're in the field which you know by heart, then you can just start coding because you already know the language. You can talk about that when you're asleep, probably driving your other half completely crazy. You can do, you know the idea. You just need to automate it. Mm-hmm. Because I think you're about to get into, however, when you're, that's usually not the case. But in that one simple case, in the few areas where you're going to model the sandwich making or whatever, in today's tools and today's approach that we've been talking about, is that where you would, like you, Renat, would you open up the, the DSL modeling language and start writing your messages down? Or what would be your next first action to start capturing that out of your head? I would start actually capturing the words, uh, capturing the stories, like as if I were the domain expert who is being interrogated by a team of developers for half an hour. Mm-hmm. The entire thing, try to get uh, everything uh, straight in my head, try to make sure that the language is coherent, and then try to capture it using the minimum viable product approach where we're trying to get something out as quickly, as simply, as dirtily as possible, and then start getting real feedback and evolve the model from there. Okay. And uh, by capturing, like after we got the language, after we take a look at our problem space, which we're trying to solve, and probably there will be some boundaries, some opportunities to break this problem space into separate and smaller, uh, separately manageable pieces. And maybe some of these pieces can be components to be bought. And uh, usually buying stuff is much cheaper than building it on your own. And then we prioritize the stuff that has to be implemented and we take the most complicated uh, part of the uh, context map, usually core subdomain and I'd hope that this uh, core subdomain contains enough logic to justify uh, using aggregates with event sourcing and then I'll just jump into the trying to capture the domain in the code using all the stuff that they were doing in the factory. Okay. Jumping in the code, uh, opening up the DSL tool, uh, starting to capture the commands and events that's only the third step. Only You said only the third step? Yeah, third step. Okay. So first step is, uh, sorry if I got it slightly wrong earlier, first step is to look at the problem space. Try to break it down, try to identify the boundaries. And while doing that, we do we go for the second step. It's uh, like capturing the ubiquitous language, uh, using the terminology, uh, refining the terminology, and actually, uh, like after we got deeper understanding of the stories of the ubiquitous language, we might uh, need to go to the first step and maybe refine the context map. 
uh, refine the boundaries, uh, refine our possible solutions to the problem, maybe refine the boundary of existing components. Like if there is some component that fits really well, uh, maybe it can adjust and shape the perspective of the context map. Then we go uh, back again to the ubiquitous language, and if we're happy at this step with the entire setup, we go to the development tab of DSL, commands and events. Then actually at some point we might discover that some commands and events are conflicting or not enough information is being passed around or uh, we've got like a few aggregates that don't really talk too well between each other but they have to pass a lot of information and it's getting messy. So we might actually need to go all the way back to the beginning, to the context map and try to make these adjustments and iterate over and over again. So that's kind of gradual improvement process. I see. I cut you off there when when you were probably about to make a point of uh, on in the very rare case that you really are the domain expert and there's no one else to go talk to. Here's what you would do. But you go ahead and finish that thought where you said you would go talk to someone else because you probably really don't understand uh, everything. Uh, however, like this scenario where I'm the absolute domain expert uh, is ideal and usually it's impossible. <laughs> Well, and even if it's possible, I still wouldn't trust completely myself because I'm known to be uh, extremely biased and subjective. So I'd go and find somebody else like you. I see. Uh, anyway, and in this case, what we can do and what we'll try to do probably with it being the worst is we actually go through the same process of uh, defining the, the context map of uh, figuring out the ubiquitous language, of capturing the domain model. But in this case, we'll have two pair of eyes, two different perspectives. And since human personalities are completely different, this having multiple people looking at the domain language, uh, using this domain language, uh, it will ensure that the words are more polished, that they are more understood, that we're not missing uh, some things only because I thought that everybody knows that in Russia it's minus 40 in winter and obviously you have to put uh, that much clothes and that much vodka in your drinks in the morning. <laughs> well, that's obvious. Yeah, that's obvious. I'm have vodka in my drink right now, Renat. What are you talking about? I mean, sure, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I see. No, that that's good. So it's the same kind of thing, but it's realizing that the first scenario is prob basically impossible because no matter how well you know, you think you know something, uh, all those different perspectives are going to come into play. And, and I guess the boundary, though, is you, you know, you're not going to get it perfect for everybody's interpretation of it, but you would at least want to go talk to the other people that this language will be relevant to or will affect. Yes, absolutely. Because for the, uh, like in order for the language to be practical, in order to, for it to become alive, it has to be used. Uh, and like, for instance, there was this uh, dead language called Esperanto, I believe. It was supposed to be the universal language. Maybe still a few dozen people talk using that. There are like some uh, Wikipedia articles. But I ha I've never seen a person actually using Esperanto in the real world. Mm -hmm. Because it was artificial language, theoretically, it was extremely powerful, simple, and useful. However, as we all know, in practice, there is a huge gap between theory and practice. Mm -hmm. And here... Like the most important part in the software design, if we're trying going for something complicated, it's not the code, uh, it's not the implementation. It's actually the domain model and how it's captured, how well it is understood. So simple understanding followed by brilliant, brilliant execution or simply diligent execution can do a lot of great things. Awesome. So given 
all of those. I mean, there's probably multiple different uh, variants and situation where that I presented there, but I think the approach is starting to look pretty similar regardless of uh, what you find yourself in. So given that, so we know we've got this getting things done domain. We've got various sources of input. We've got uh, an implementation of OmniFocus and some of the documentation they have. We have an entire book from the domain expert himself, if we considered him the only source of truth, and that's debatable. And we also have my interpretation, your interpretation, and whoever else is going to use it interpretation of what does getting things done mean. So it seems like we're sort of still at that maybe context map stage and figuring out where are these boundaries and what are we actually trying to do. Uh, that's at least what it feels like to me. Um, so if that's the case, what should we on the show, what should we be doing next to uh, tackle this problem? Okay, uh, probably this will be for the next episode because we seem to be running out of time. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next step would actually is to produce the context map. The context map would be our battlefield. What is the situation around this project? What are the problems that we're trying to solve? How we're trying to solve them? And what are the resources that we have? So, for instance, the fact that this is open source podcast and that we'll try to bring into the participation people from different backgrounds to, for instance, to build uh, the project. Uh, the fact that we have limited amount of time and we have to be as efficient as possible. Also, the fact that we are not, not actually a project striving for financial revenue. So these are the things that has to have to find their own place that have to be reflected on the context map. So we will use the context map to drive our further development, to help us to prioritize, to make the decisions. And when in parallel with figuring out these external factors and influences, we'll also, use, we'll also need to use the language of the domain. First, to capture the domain model and also to shape the closely aggregated parts of the domain model that belong to each other and put them on the context map as well. And we have like this complex and maybe uh, confusing sound concept drawn on the page. Probably it will be A4 page which have which is taken by a context map and half of which is taken by a short description. I expect it to become quite straightforward of how we proceed from there. Okay. Now that we know we need to get our context map done, the only thing I've really ever seen in the context map is you seem really skilled at using Visio or some other tool that you've put on your blog before. You know, I've seen some examples of of what you sh- have shown as a context map, but I really haven't gone beyond that. So I I'm curious if you're sitting here faced with that dilemma and you need to do the things you just said, what would you sit down with what tools, paper, whatever, Visio diagrams, uh, recording devices, like what do we actually need to do it? And um, is that what we're going to do next time is sit down and actually talk about going through that? Actually, that would be useful. So the tools, I'd say they're quite hard to get because we need mm, 10 sheets of paper, <laughs> one pencil, and one eraser. <laughs> okay, so literally you're going to write this down on paper first. If it was you. Well, Visio or any other diagramming tools, they are powerful. They can create some really precise and nice-looking things. However, the problem with precise and nice-looking concepts is that they can get outdated immediately. Mm-hmm. It takes quite a lot of effort to get them right. So, uh, And we need 
to have something that is low precision, high altitude, uh, and is ready to evolve. And nothing works better here than a hand drawing, hand writing. Cool. Easy enough. Also, uh, like when you're doing this kind of modeling in a team, uh, like getting rid of the software, getting rid of the complications, and leaving only human interaction with basic simple tools is extremely important uh, because that's the most efficient way of tra knowledge transfer. Because as we all know, that humans exchange information best way when we're there when they're standing in front of each other and when they're communicating and when they're helping the communication process maybe with looks, with intonation, with tone, with hand movements, or with holding a gun to uh, against somebody else's head. Right. Then, if we try to take away physical presence, or if we try to make people not see each other but talk by the Skype, or even if we try to make them communicate via emails. So we're making the people more separate and distant. This reduces efficiency of the process. And actually, the most distant way, if we take the synchronous communication, if we take face-to-face -face communication, if we take video, if we take audio, we actually end up with written documentation. So written documentation is static, and it's the worst way of communication. If you need to build something, if you need to interact, if you need to, not to freeze something forever, but if you need to find the answer. And Visio and other tools, they are really good in producing documentation. Mm. But they're the best fit, in my humble opinion, for finding the answers. So I think that'll be interesting because in this particular case, and in probably in many open source initiatives, you at best you may have Skype and maybe video or something, but in this case, we have audio on a podcast and us talking over Skype. And if we both had 10 sheets of paper that we can't see, it'll be interesting to see how we actually go about defining this context map via a conversation and what happens when we can't actually see what each other are writing down and, and how do we deal with that remotely when you're trying to collaborate with people uh, that you can't physically be next to right now. Well, there are lots of tools to do that. For instance, uh, online whiteboard, or just taking a photo with the iPhone and sending it over. In this case, if you and I were in a conference room and we were at the same table, would you take those 10 sheets of paper and both of us would be writing down whatever we think we're trying to do and then look at them and, and share thoughts? Is that sort of your approach? Is your, are you trying to capture one thing? Well, sitting down and talking and actually finding what other things worth capturing, exploring the domain. And one after we've got uh, really first understanding, then we'd probably sit down on the same table, grab some coffee, and actually start coding. I see. Start coding and capturing the model and uh, maybe cranking out some really dead and boring UI. Mm -hmm. Because show us, present us a problem and a potential solution to the problem from a different angle. So we're just exploring. We're just looking at the problem and possible solutions there for that from multiple angles in a way that is easy, that is fast. And while well, iterating, we'll be able probably to find a better solution as opposed to some other approach, for instance, sitting down and, okay, let's start by defining database schema. <laughs> I see. Let's uh, design, uh, define which messaging format we're going to use. Or uh, let's pick which version of .NET we're going to support. Like, these are completely technically irrelevant. The model, more often than not, it's completely orthogonal to the technology. It's completely orthogonal to the domain, uh, to the technical details. 
Yeah, I think it would be very helpful, not only to me, but probably those listening to figure out, you know, how would you, how do you actually approach these problems? And what do you actually do to get these things called a context map? Because just even from a very basic perspective, if we were to sit down in the next episode and start writing down on paper, you know, what problem are we trying to solve? What are we trying to do? That would start fleshing out sort of the tentative study map or the phase two outline that we talked about last time. There's a lot of stuff on there. You know, there's client devices, there's interactions with mobile and different things that can happen in different contexts. If you're sitting at your desk versus on an airplane with no connectivity and all these questions start popping up. And I think when you look at all those things that we said we were going to try to do, that'll provide a great, probably intentionally or not, complex enough domain to start driving those conversations and say, okay, so is this one giant context map and then there's a bunch of subdomains and do we throw that over there and ignore it? I think that's where that conversation would go and it would help me a lot anyway to see how you take an outline of 15 podcast episodes with a bunch of different topics in it with a relatively complex domain and start figuring out where do we start? How do we chunk this up? What does this mean as a context map? What does that mean as a subdomain, etc.? And what's the actual next step? Okay, it sounds like we plan for the next episode. Yeah. Cool. So I hope that won't be too uh, boring for you guys. But again, we're trying to approach this from the, the beginnings as if you've never done this before. And I I don't personally know of a way to learn how to do that if you've never never done it before, if you don't actually do it. So either this will turn out to be a very selfish exercise for me dragging these gory details out of Renat's head and forcing us to go through the exercises and be only useful to me, or hopefully uh, you will find them useful as well to be determined uh, with the comments at beingtheworst.com or on Twitter at beingtheworst. Renat, how do we want to wrap this one up? We done? We good? Yeah, we're good. And actually, if uh, the, this episode is too boring, uh, I heard that it's a really good, can be uh, used for really good purposes. When you find yourself incapable of falling asleep before end of the world, just put on the episode and listen to our blah, blah, blah. I think it should have a rather calming influence yeah uh, just in case you're using that you're getting very sleepy the world is going to be okay (laughs) so i'll I'll try to add some stuff at the end there just in case you're using it for these purposes so you can count sheep or something but anyway cool all right we're not great uh i know that's this is a little bit uh different than how we normally approach things but uh those were the things that were on my mind as i was trying to tackle the homework and of course i was uh, looking at chapter two and taking a ton of notes and realizing wow, if this David Allen guy was talking at me with all these words, I've got a lot of overlapping words. They all kind of mean the same thing, but not really. How am I going to turn these into the actual essence of the domain and which messages actually matter? I think I'd like to uh, talk to Renat about uh, how he would tackle these things. So really appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, till next time, uh, take it easy. Leave your comments. We love them. Talk to you later. (laughs) See ya. Bye, guys.